0: What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the question and answer podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. You can ask me anything and everything about our Catholic faith from morality to spirituality. Whether it's a question about everyday life or what we believe as Catholics, I'm here to help you find answers. If you're a first time listening, be sure to follow the podcast. You can hit me up with your own questions and comments at www.assistyourpress.com slash ask father josh on today's show we're going to be talking about extraordinary ministers of holy communion but before we get into that conversation i want to share with you a glory story glory story today comes in from Kathy, and Kathy writes this. Hey, Father Josh, I wanted to share with you my glory story. You answered my question on your podcast on September 8th on how to serve my parish. It was a little funny because it took me a minute to realize that it was my question because I submitted it before you went on break sometime back in June. I want to tell you how fast God and the Holy Spirit have been working in my life. Before you answer the question, I received a call to serve for a local retreat at a missionary program. I had not been involved with since before COVID. And this past Monday, I received a call from my parish to take Holy Communion to a parishioner, another ministry I was involved in before COVID. Before you answered my question, I always felt I wasn't doing enough to serve God, but your suggestions were so spot on to my personality. I was like, wow, God is speaking to me. I've already ordered a book from the Called and Gifted Program, Proof of Discipleship, by Sherwood L. I am definitely a work in progress. I wanted to share it Easy it is to hear God speaking to you if you just listen. I pray that this fire inside me to serve will stay lit and bright. May God always bless you, Kathy. Thank you so much, Kathy. I'm so happy to hear that uh, you are already experiencing fruit. And the book, Fruitful Discipleship, is really good. I would encourage everybody to check it out. Cheryl uh, Whedell has some really great books out there. Forming Intentional Disciples, Becoming a Parish of Intentional Disciples. The Calling and Gifted Program is amazing. Our parish staff has done it here at Sacred Heart of Jesus. Uh, We're going to have a full day for our whole whole parish uh, sometime in the spring. And Fruitful Discipleship is also really good, too. So I'm happy that you have been able to get your hands on that book. So if y'all today want to receive any show notes uh, from today's show, any future shows, any updates about the podcast, be sure to subscribe to my email list by texting Ask Father Josh to 33777. And with that, let's go ahead and get into today's topic. Today's question comes in from Anonymous, and Anonymous writes this, I came back to the Catholic Church because of the Eucharist. Look, y'all, amen, right there. Eucharist is everything. You might have bad preaching. You might have bad music. You might have a community who are not rooted in discipleship yet. But once you know the Eucharist is God, once you believe that the Eucharist really is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, how can we not? Come back home for that. How could we leave? I don't, I, I'm sorry. I'm going to get to your question real quick, Amos. It's like in my coach, culture, we always say, I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. But I got to say this. I don't understand whenever I walk with people who have been Catholic, left the Catholic Church, come back to the Catholic Church, how they could ever leave again when we have the Eucharist. The Eucharist is Jesus. It's like we're saying, Jesus, you're not enough for me. Like, I would rather good preaching over your body, blood, soul, and divinity. I would rather good music over you. Like, literally, like, music isn't God. Good preaching is good, but it ain't God. The Eucharist is God. And when we leave the Eucharist for good preaching or for good music or for good friends who are radical disciples, we're saying, God, you're not enough. You're not sufficient. I know that that's you in the Eucharist, but I would rather a person's voice over your body, blood, soul, and divinity. I would rather a person's ability to sing well over your body, blood, soul, and divinity. I would rather good friendships over the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. It just makes no sense to me. I don't get it. The Eucharist is God. And once we know that, how could we ever walk away from him? Oh, it breaks my heart. I'm, I guess I'm speaking right now out of like a pierced heart because yeah, Jesus is sufficient. He's enough. Like if I was in prison and I had the Eucharist, I'm happy. I got God. I don't need a thriving congregation. I don't need a school that's amazing. I don't need great friends. I, all I need is Jesus. And if I have Jesus Christ in prison for the rest of my life, I'm good. We're good. Anyways, back to your question. Anonymous writes this, I didn't truly know or embrace the reality of the true body blood of Christ until recently. I feel called to become Eucharistic minister at my parish and I volunteered a couple times. I've always felt that I'm not worthy and now I feel it even deeper. I came across people who are against receiving the Eucharist on their hands and some are against lay people or even lay women to be Eucharistic ministers because it's only for the priest. This has confused me and has blamed me down. Could you please share your thoughts and the church teachings about the Eucharistic minister and how we are to properly receive the Eucharist? Thank you, Anonymous. Yeah, so yeah, first things first, we're going to first address... Who the ordinary Eucharistic ministers are, and then we're going to address proper reception of Holy Communion because they're both two really good topics to discuss. So the first one is this: there are ordinary ministers of Holy Communion and extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion. Uh, the ordinary ministers of Holy Communion are the bishop of the diocese, the priest, and the deacons, and in any formally instituted acolytes. There are very few parishes that have acolytes, but but yeah, bishops. Priests, deacons, and acolytes, those are the ordinary ministers of Holy Communion, right right there. Now, lay people are what's called extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion because the ordinary minister is the bishop, the priest, the deacon, and if, in fact, you have an acolyte, the acolyte as well. But typically, it's the bishop, priest, and deacon. So it's the extraordinary thing. It's out of the ordinary. It's beyond the ordinary for lay persons to do it. That's why they call called extraordinary, which means it's, it should be done on an extraordinary basis. If you have a priest and a deacon, then a layperson should not give out communion in their place unless that priest or deacon has some kind of illness, sickness, debilitating disease that prevents them from going to administer holy communion to the, the, the people in the parish. Uh, but if you have a huge parish— and there's a need, an extraordinary need, to have more ministers of communion, well, then that's when you would have the extraordinary ministers of communion help the bishop, the priest, and the deacon out to distribute Jesus to the people. right? And so there are some parishes that are just absolutely huge mega-church Catholic churches, and in those circumstances, it will be necessary. At my church, we have a communion rail. So St. of Jesus, we still have the communion rail. So we don't need extraordinary ministers of communion because people receive the communion rail, so— me and my associate pastor or me and the deacons are able to administer Jesus Christ. Uh, So we don't have that need right now for Mass, but we do have that need for communion to the homebound. And so we do have extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion who are able to assist us in bringing Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament to the homebound and neighborhoods and nursing homes and hospitals and institutions all throughout our geographical boundaries. And so... Our extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion right now are the lay people who bring Jesus Christ in the blessed sacrament to those who aren't able to come to Mass. And so that's our need. That's because we have such a need in the parish. That's the need right now that we have. And so I think the first thing for you to discern is if God's called me to be an extraordinary minister of communion, A, is that in the geographical boundaries to the parish? Is that to bring Jesus Christ to the homebound? Is that to bring Jesus Christ to prisons and to hospitals and to nursing homes? And or B, uh, is that because my parish is so big that there's actually a need for lay people to administer communion to other lay people? If that's the case, then certainly it is permissible in the church to have lay people as extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion at Mass. But again, if you have a bishop, priest, or deacon, then they're the ordinary ministers. Lay people should not take their place. So if you have a Mass where, say if it's like a a first Mass for a newly ordained priest and a bunch of his priest friends come in town our deacon friends come in town, then they always have the priority of distributing communion because they're the ordinary ministers. And if you don't have enough of those guys available, then that's when you have the extraordinary ministers of communion available to serve the church, to make Jesus Christ available to the people and the body of Christ. So how then are you to receive communion? How, how are the people to receive communion? Well, the minister of communion does not have the right to tell the person receiving how they're to receive. So I can't say you have to receive on your hand or on your tongue. That, that's that's not my prerogative. It's up to the person to choose how they're going to receive Jesus Christ. Even at churches like mine where we have the communion rail, I can't tell people because they kneel down and receive communion at the rail that they have to receive on the tongue. It's whatever way is best for them to abide in intimacy with, with the Lord. Uh, the universal law of the Latin rite, which is what most of us who listen to this podcast are in the Catholic Church, is to receive on the tongue. Like that's the ordinary way of reception of Holy Communion across the board. However, the United States of America has received an indult for people to also receive in the hand. So there's a few different places around the world where uh, an exception has been made and the United States of America is one of those places. The church allows it. If the church permits it, then we ought to be open to it. The Vatican certainly promotes reception of communion on the tongue, but it also permits... Communion in the hand as well. So there's documents that you can read, Memorial Domini, uh, paragraph twelve seventy seven, and it promotes the tongue specifically because it removes the danger of, of profaning the sacred species. Right. Sometimes people receive in the hand, they might drop particles of the Eucharist. Sometimes people, uh, and I've seen this happen on multiple occasions. Uh, so look, but it's still it's permissible. The germ, the general instruction Roman Missal. It permits both and. So it says this in the germ, that the consecrated host can be received either on the tongue or in the hand at the discretion of each communicant. Again, this means that your pastor cannot tell you you cannot receive on the tongue and your pastor cannot say you cannot receive in the hand. It's up to the communicant to decide how they're going to receive the Lord and show the Lord that they want to reverence his body, blood, soul, and divinity um, in the blessed sacrament. And so, um, yeah, it's at the discretion of the person, uh, not of the uh, bishop or the priest or the deacon. So uh, it's really, yeah, I would encourage you to like discern, are there people in your boundaries who aren't able to come to Mass? And then you certainly can discern becoming an extraordinary minister of communion. And then B, is there a need in your parish for extraordinary ministers? Or is your parish able to have the ordinary ministers distribute the Lord and the blessed sacrament themselves without extra help? Uh, and then again, when distributing the Lord, And administering the Lord in Holy Communion, it is not up to you to decide how the person receives. They have the right to receive in their hand or on their tongue whatever is best for them to abide in a deep, profound intimacy with Jesus Christ. So. Hopefully that answered your question. Just a quick reminder, if you are a first-time listener, be sure to follow the podcast. You can also send me up with your own questions and comments at www.senshippress.com slash askfatherjosh. And if you wanna receive show notes and any updates about the podcast, be sure to subscribe to my email list by texting Josh" at 33777. And we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna get back and talk about our saint for the show and get this, it's gonna be a Eucharistic saint. Okay, here's the gut check right here because if nothing changes, uh-huh. nothing changes. Do you want to be holy? And do you wanna be an instrument of renewal in this world? And if so, do you believe it's possible? Do you know what it looks like? Do you know where to begin? Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. My name is Father Mark Mary, I'm a Franciscan Friar of the Renewal, and I wrote a book called Habits for Holiness. And it pulls from over 800 years of Franciscan tradition, wisdom, and experience of radical and total discipleship in the midst of the world, but in a way which begins with little steps and works not only for religion, not only for priests, but for everybody. The change you desire is possible. The conversion you desire is possible. The renewal you desire is possible. The healing you desire is possible. And it begins with little steps. So to guide you on your way and to help you make the next best step of renewal in your life, I'd invite you to pick up a copy of my book, Habits for Holiness. God bless you. And we're back. So my saint for this show today is a young saint who was an acolyte. Remember, I talked about acolytes in the response to the question from Anonymous. Um, and this young saint was a 12-year-old acolyte. This young saint's name is Saint Tarsisus. Saint Tarcisius was a Catholic during the time in the church's history, particularly the third century, whenever the church was being persecuted, Christians were being martyred, they were imprisoned, they were persecuted in a way that we are not used to in America, dot, 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 yet. There could come a day where we might get persecuted like this. And if that day comes, blessed be God. That's what we need to become saints. But a lot of, um, a lot of priests and a lot of deacons, uh, they were imprisoned at this time. And so they weren't able to bring communion to their brothers and, and sisters in the community. And so they needed help. And so St. Tarcisius was an acolyte, and he was actually sent by his pastor to bring the Eucharist to the, the members of the body of Christ, priests, deacons, and laity who were in prison because they didn't have enough people to bring him. So he was an extraordinary minister of, of Holy Communion. And on his way to bring Communion to the inmates, those who were preparing for their death and who needed to receive the communion before. Now, now, why was it important that they receive communion before they die? Because Jesus Christ says in John chapter six, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have eternal life. They believed it. They took Jesus Christ at his word. And so they wanted to make sure that these disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ had an opportunity to receive him in Holy Communion for the sake of salvation. Because he says, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have eternal life. So on his way to bringing Jesus Christ in Holy Communion to his brothers and sisters, uh, some of his friends they basically wanted him to join them in in, in their, their games that they were playing. But he refused because he had Jesus Christ in Holy Communion. Just like if we are extraordinary ministers of communion or even the ordinary ministers are bringing Jesus Christ in the blessed sacrament to the sick and the homebound, the needy, the imprisoned, when we have him in the car, we don't have music on, right? We're supposed to make that a time of sacred intimacy with the Lord. So he was like, nah, I can't play with y'all. Other people were like, yo, what's up? Why you can't play? And they literally turned against him and began to beat him up. They jumped him, they crowded him, and, and he died. He died. And his body was, was brought to the catacombs, and he eventually was buried next to the cemetery of St. Callistus. And yeah, but he died protecting the Eucharist. He died protecting the Lord and the Blessed Sacrament because he refused to be mediocre and to profane the sacrament. So he's a witness for all of us. He and he's a reminder to all of us for those of us who have access to Jesus Christ in the Eucharist that when we are invited to bring Him to people, like we ought not play around and mess around. That is a time of profound seriousness because of who Jesus we are bringing to people—the Body of Christ, the Bride of Christ. So hopefully that's helpful. Hopefully that's inspiring. And uh, yeah, Jesus is God. He's God. The Eucharist is everything, everybody. He's everything. Ah, oh, he's so good. So with that being said, we're going to wrap up. Saint T- Tarsius, pray for us that we may have a deep love for Jesus Christ in the Eucharist on earth and stay with Jesus Christ forever in heaven. All right, from all of us here at Ascension, I'm Father Josh. Deuces.